Now, if you're on, now, if you're the one hosting and someone hands you, nope, <laughs> I was like, this is going too well. Um, <clears throat> Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 120. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are talking about our mission. In times of confusion, it can become really difficult to see where we're going and what we're meant to be doing in any given moment. But keeping our eyes focused on what really matters, on what is truly essential and important, can be our North Star and guide us through chaos back to order and truth. But first, the best way that you can support the Modern Lady Podcast is by giving us a rating and review on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Your reviews, especially on iTunes, can really help others who might be interested find our podcast too. Your comments mean the world to us. This week's shout out goes to listener Carol Ann, who sent us a direct message on Instagram and said, quote, Hello, just wanted to send a message to say I discovered your podcast a few weeks ago, and I'm loving going back and listening to the episodes. I've been a housewife for the last year and am due with our first baby next month. I have loved learning from more seasoned moms on motherhood, marriage, and homemaking, especially from a Catholic perspective. Also, I moved to Wisconsin from Southern US just last year, so I appreciate the Canadian perspective on weather and life as I'm still adjusting." End quote. Well, thank you so much, Carol Ann, for your message. We loved hearing from you and are thrilled to have been company for you these past few weeks. And congratulations from both of us on expecting your first little one. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or you can leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. Last week, we talked all about gift receiving etiquette, specifically about when you should open a hostess gift. Well, this got us wondering about what to do when someone gives you wine as a hostess gift. Should you open it and serve it to the guests who gave it to you? An article on southernliving.com addresses this situation and speaks first to the guest, reminding them that they should assume that the hosts have likely already specially selected wine that pairs well with what they're making, and that you can make it clear to them that you aren't expecting it with dinner by saying something like, thank you for having us. I hope you can enjoy this sometime soon. Now, if you're the one hosting and someone gifts you a bottle of wine and doesn't indicate that it is a gift to be consumed later, you can say, thank you so much. Would you like me to serve this with dinner? Now, while that sounds good on paper, I know here where we live, the response would be a non-committal yet polite, oh, that's totally up to you. We're okay with whatever. (laughs) So let's get back again to the person gifting the wine. The website purewow.com interviewed etiquette expert Micah Meyer about this, and she suggested that guests make it abundantly clear that the wine is a gift by wrapping it up with a nice ribbon or putting it in a gift bag. That simple act would be enough to signal that it is something to be enjoyed later. 
All of the etiquette experts agree that you should not be offended if the hosts don't serve your wine, that as good hosts, they have likely not only already selected well-matched wines, they likely have wine chilling or a red wine decanting. According to alphamom.com and their very alpha-like article entitled The Final Word on Dinner Party Etiquette, the exception would be if the guest asked ahead of time what they could bring and you told them to bring wine. Well, whether you like their choice or not, that should be served with dinner. Alpha Mom also pointed out that it is considered quite rude to bring home any unopened alcohol that you might have brought to someone's house. Because let's be clear here, there are many times you just BYOB, which is different than a hostess gift. You can insist as the hostess that people bring their unopened alcohol back home with them, and you'll be able to read each situation as it individually happens, but the proper etiquette dictates that you really shouldn't take it home. One last thing, the website thewinesisters.com has a lot to say on this topic, surprise, surprise, as they talked about what kind of wine to bring as a gift. They point out that as a gift, it shouldn't be the cheapest wine. If you know what your friend loves, then give that. But if you have no idea, it's really fun to share with them your favorite wine and you can tell them why you love it. All of this to say, don't sweat it. Enjoy the act of giving and receiving. And most people are very happy and thankful when they are handed a bottle of wine. Wow. So what I'm getting is I I think that the one tip to take away from all this is just always wrap your bottle of wine. Isn't that a great tip? (laughs) You can avoid. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought of doing that because I am the non-committal person you Mm. just described. (laughs) So are we. (laughs) When I bring wine over, right? I'm like, oh, whatever, whatever you want. And in my head, I'm thinking, I'm like, I really don't mind you saving it, but do you want it? Do you want to try it right now? Do you want it? I'll have it if you want it. (laughs) As we experienced (laughs) when we just had you in Phil over, right? Over Christmas. And we had had a bottle of champagne chilling for you guys guys and you guys lovely yeah. brought wine and I turn around and Jason's just opening that one I'm like but we had champagne ready <laughs> so even you and I right we're still learning we are not experts. oh yes <laughs> yes for sure Austrian psychiatrist author and holocaust survivor Viktor Frankl once wrote quote in times of crisis people reach for meaning meaning is strength our survival may depend on our seeking and finding it, end quote. A life of meaning and purpose, of mission. This is the idea that we're exploring today and how we're supposed to find it in our world right now. Right, Lindsay? That's right, Michelle. It's been an interesting week, right? You and I actually had something Mm. totally different planned for today. And um, maybe our listeners know this or some don't know, but you and I tend to have like a phone meeting because we have so much to say to each other that we sometimes (laughs) need to have like a four hour chat before we record three hours of content. Right. (laughs) Until you can pull an hour. That's good out of (laughs) all of that, that we share with you guys. And, uh, and while we were having just that conversation between friends, between the two of us um we're you know we're talking about the episode that we had planned but we're also talking about our lives our week what's Mm -hmm. been going on and we realize that it's a heavy it just it's heavy right now it's been heavy for two years but it just feels Mm -hmm. particularly heavy especially up here in Canada right now and Michelle you were so comforting to me um during that conversation and you were just really helping Mm -hmm. remind me um 
again, like a perspective, like a big picture perspective that there is one thing that has remained constant since (laughs) 2000 years ago. Um, And that is what we are called to do and that it's not dependent on what's going on situationally around us. And that was the call to action I needed. So I'm like, Michelle, Mm -hmm. I think this has to be our episode. I think you need to continue to tell me this while we're (laughs) sharing it with everybody. (laughs) Yes. And you know what? Often these episodes turn out to be probably the most true form of what we always say we love yes. about the modern lady and our community here with everyone right is that yeah. it's just a chat amongst friends yeah and um these episodes tend to be uh, even what we need to hear and what we need to talk out um uh, with our friends and so here we are and this is kind of where we find ourselves um like what you were saying with this week and we need to just every once in a while be reminded that when everything reaches such a fevered pitch sometimes, and it happens um, many times throughout a life, uh, of who we are and what are you supposed to be doing? Because especially right now, it's like you could be pulled in a million different directions, mentally, emotionally, um, task-wise. Sometimes it really does feel like you're standing in the middle of the room and you don't know where to look (laughs) or where to go first. So it's good to stop and refocus on this from time to time. So all of that to say, all of that to say, this is a really a conversation between friends. This doesn't maybe have all of the data or the research that we normally do. This is just us, yeah, talking in real time about something that's close to our hearts right now. And so the thing that you said to me, Michelle, was remember our mission. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wait a sec. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell me more. So we started talking about what our mission is. And now you and I believe we have a mission to accomplish in this life. Now, it's no secret for you longtime listeners that you and I are both Christians. So mm-hmm. our mission is biblical, right? Um, yeah. And we then firmly believe that it is a mission that is rooted in love. And honestly, I think regardless of what you believe, it's something that we can all agree on. And my goodness, <laughs> don't we all need mm-hmm. to agree on something right now? So for us, our primary goal and our mission is to spread the good news of the gospel, right? And that is namely mm-hmm. that Jesus is the son of God, that he died for our sins and that he will come back again. And as Catholics, we sometimes, uh, some Catholics memorize from the Baltimore Catechism, uh, this goal, and it's just simply to know God, love God and serve God. And that is the simple way of remembering the law that Jesus said is the greatest law of them all, which is You shall love the Lord, our God, with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. Mm -hmm. But here's here's the key. This is, I think, what you and I really want to talk more about today, because Jesus went on to say that the second most important law is you should love your neighbor as yourself. Seven words. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And this is our mission. We need to love mm-hmm. our neighbors as ourselves right now. So that's what you reminded me of, that that is the primary call to action. When it seems like there are 20 other calls to action that we need to be doing yes. right now, right? Mm-hmm. Within our own homes, within our families, within our country, there is a lot pulling at us right now. But you're like, Lindsay, remember your mission. And that is our mission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this helps us to focus and prioritize, I think, because you're right, like everything can seem important and it gets even trickier when there are a lot of good options, mm-hmm. right? When yes. it's not a clear like, okay, clearly that's a bad option. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. I can just completely cut out like, um, I don't know, 
like shoplifting from mm-hmm. the store or something like that. Like that's nowhere on my radar. But when it's like a, a vast array of good things that you could be doing in your community, um, at your kid's school, um, politically, um, in your home, like where, where do you prioritize and where do you start? And like you said, for us Christians, the mission is love and the mission is to love people and to recognize the dignity and the inherent goodness that God has put here on earth and in each person. So it's almost like uh, an exercise we have to constantly be training ourselves in is how to see the world not as the world is presenting itself to us. Uh, it's almost like, um, oh, I was mentioning to you that yesterday the gospel reading in the liturgical um, calendar of the church was about Jesus healing the blind man. Mm-hmm. And we laughed because yes. we didn't realize there were so many times Jesus healed blind yes. men in the gospels. We're always so not the one. Yeah. I'm like, all oh, the mud and the spit. And you're like, no, surprisingly, there's the other one. one. Yeah. Yes. So this is the one where he healed um, the blind man uh, twice, really. He he healed, he laid his, his hands on the man and the man said, I can see, but the men look like trees walking. And so Jesus lay his hands on again, and then the man can, could see. And sometimes I think that that's um, one thing that we have to actually ask for often mm-hmm. is yes. please help us to see clearly because things are so confused and so muddled that if we're not even able to see, how can we know where we're going? And then we're just kind of like wandering blind and you'll have to expect to be hitting walls and facing obstacles and missing the point. I think it's a, it's a huge risk for us, um, especially as Christians to kind of miss our mission uh, in favor of other things. If everything looks like trees walking like how yeah. can you distinguish how can you find the people to love when everything looks like trees and i love that one so much because obviously jesus didn't make a mistake like jesus knows how to heal the blind man right yes <laughs> right like was he wasn't really like trying oh, to I backtrack there yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, what do you see and he covers one eye and i <laughs> and i just think that like i think that that's so fascinating because jesus needed the man to ask for more than like, oh, yes. Right. He needed the man to recognize he wasn't seeing clearly. So it's mm-hmm. he, it's that that relationship there where we need to go. Yeah, I'm starting to see it. And and like I was telling you on my own journey to Christianity, like that was a 10 year period of me seeing the trees um, right. and then having to go, OK, Jesus, I, I know there's more. I'm not seeing it clearly. Um, and then he revealed more to me. But yeah, Jesus doesn't make a mistake. He didn't like kind of do it going so good enough as he's like backing away. <laughs> and the guy's like, wait a second. Um, <laughs> right. I know. So I I think that that's really, really important too. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we need to do, right? All of us, all of us. I think there's been, it's been such a hard two years that mm-hmm. I think even the best of us might just be seeing trees right now. And that's not our fault, I think, all the time no, right now. Not. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. what was happening to me. And it's like, so you need that reminder to to see clearly again. And, and, and when you start to see clearly there's going to, again, yeah, be a lot of things tugging at you, 
but there is one that has remained constant. And that goes back again to this, this mission, um, mm-hmm. the mission of the church. And, and so we were talking about loving your neighbor as yourself. Uh, there's knowing, loving and serving God. There's spreading the good news of the gospel. I mean, it, it, it all means the same thing. Ultimately, you can have different mm-hmm. kinds of missions. Just like if you look up what is the mission of Christianity on Google, you will get mission statements from the 40,000 different denominations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they've created these mission statements and they're all excellent and they all have things that you want to pull for them. Um, but the, the core mission, the good news, this and our um, the calling of us to go and deliver that to bring the good news to everybody. Yeah, that has never changed despite horrible things happening in the world. This isn't the first time that the world has been in complete disarray. Let's just be clear on that. And yeah. so, yeah, the mission has never changed. Right, Michelle? Yes. And that's what I love. And I've actually just been repeating that to myself Mm. for like the last year. The mission doesn't change. It never changes. And we talk about the mission. uh, We've said mission so many times already in our episode. (laughs) (laughs) And so it is to love. And sometimes I remember, so we mentioned um, Father Walter Chizik's book last week, He Leadeth, Leadeth Me. And he talks about what we're supposed to be doing in any given moment. And he talks about how um, it's basically these 24 hours, Mm -hmm. whatever God puts in our lives, whoever God puts in our lives in these 24 hours, that is his will for you. That is your mission. Um, And he does concede. He's like, I know it sounds too simple, right? It sounds too simple. We we go look for nobler missions for God or (laughs) nobler will for God. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Right. But it it's simple, but it probably is the hardest thing um, to do. So maybe that's why God just gives us one one thing, right? (laughs) And I think we've just forgotten actually through a period of time right now, we've forgotten how to love one another. And it reminded me um, through an article on churchlifejournal.nd.edu. It quoted St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians where he says, if I do not have love, I'm a clanging symbol. I'm just noise. Right. And so that really struck me because I was like, oh my goodness, if we want to be uh, using our talents well, using our time well, wanting to be effective in this uh, mission and in this directive and find the peace and the joy that comes, by the way, from doing those things, uh, then I have to start like way, way back at square one before I can think of like, well, like, how am I going to get a message out or how am I going to serve other people? I have to first ask myself, do I know how to love well? Do mm-hmm. I know what that means and what that looks like? Because love and love of Christ and love of family and all of those things, like that is, that is the mission. And so all of our little duties or whatever action you do next um, stems from that mission, right? Because it can get complicated because mm-hmm. we can start to talk about, well, what can we do? What are the outward signs and actions of this mission? But yeah, the mission is always rooted in love. And then we, we determine what we're supposed to be doing. And this reminds me of the idea of the duty of the moment from Catherine Doherty. Uh, she ran Madonna House here 
here in Ontario. This is one of those people that saint stalks me. She's not a canonized saint yet, but um, right. ev everybody <laughs> I've ever met for the last 10 years says to me, you've, you've gone to Madonna House. You've read about Catherine Doherty, right? And I'm like, not yet. But <laughs> I <laughs> I know enough about her to know this concept of the duty of the moment. And like what you were saying, there might um, not always be the chance to do something noble. We might not be able to go to war. We might not be able to go do anything big. Um, but I can scrub that toilet. I can do the duty mm -hmm. of the moment to the best of my ability and with a pure sense of love. Um, my little ones jumped up to help me do the dishwasher last night. And I said, who's going to help me? And my little ones jumped up and I said, are you doing this for the love of God? And they're like, we are. And I was like, that's right. And we were all high-fiving for the love of God. And it really does <laughs> change your um, mm. your perspective when you're doing any little duty that you're having to do, because it is again, rooted in love of God first, which then ripples out to love of family. And it just continues to go through everything. Yes. I love that because we've defined love in this context several times on the podcast, right? Yes. That love is willing the good of the other person. Yeah. Right. And so that's what it boils down to. It it doesn't have anything to do with emotions or how you feel in a in a moment or what yep. you even sometimes think about a situation or a person in the moment. All your thought is directed towards what is the ultimate good for that person? And That's do right. I have a role to play in that? And so when you direct your whole life and you prioritize your life based on those uh, parameters, then you really are serving in a on a completely different level, like at a higher level, right? And yeah. I think when we say that the mission never changes, no matter the the time or the place of in history, um, that's that's the concept that carries through. And that's yes. what is so constant is that there is never a time or place in history or even a person in history because everyone is loved by God where that willing the good of the other person is not called for and asked of us. And so that's such that's such clear focus again it's not easy yeah but I'm like oh it simplifies things it kind of like narrows things down to like one instruction yes. one set of marching orders and I'm like oh okay well if there's just one thing even though it's extremely difficult to do in certain moments I can work on that then Yes, because if you are faced in a situation and you've got a ton of family members or just a lot going on, a lot of different differing opinions, if your first question is, how can I love this person? It, mm -hmm. do it does really reduce down sometimes the amount of options about how you can respond. And it gives you, it really does steer you towards a clearer, and it's not going to be easy, like you're saying, but it becomes a mm -hmm. lot more clear about what, how you're supposed to respond or what you can do for them. And I still can't get over how radical this teaching still is 2000 years later. Yes. Like it is so contrary to the culture right now. It's, it is, it just blows my mind every time that the, the mission, your mission, my mission, the people listening to your mission is to love others, to love your enemies. Oh my goodness. Like, oh yeah, it mm -hmm. is so different than anything else you're going to read in a self-help book, self-love, um, self-care, self, self, self. Um, it is like completely a radical and revolutionary idea right now to really do that. Um, but it, I love it in its simplicity and it's you mm -hmm. know, the most, I, 
I'm trying to compare it to something that looks so simple on the surface. And then you pick it up and it's like a diamond, a multifaceted diamond or something. Mm. And it's just so deep and the layers are so there. But yeah, it, this this has never changed. And I think that an important thing to remember too is that because it is so unchanging and so consistent through like all of history forever, <laughs> like most like most things of this nature, it can um, the temptation is there to view it as something tedious or mundane, a real mm-hmm. slog to get to. Mm-hmm. We can um, become distracted from it. We can start to maybe unintentionally devalue it, like surely there's something greater that I'm meant to be doing here than just (laughs) willing the good of anyone who walks into my life over these 24 hours, right? And so we have to be careful and not distracted. And because it is so difficult, doesn't it feel like war? So we also love to talk about spiritual (laughs) warfare and make... um, allusions to the navy seals yeah right we, we have a special <laughs> like drawn the symbolism admiration yeah admiration for the navy seals we, <laughs> oh. we might be the only podcast that does connect homemaking and the military as much as we do considering we have no affiliation with the military <laughs> And I consider myself a very non-confrontational person, but I really love this imagery. (laughs) But I think interiorly, because um, I think people who look deep inside themselves and really desire this kind of a thing, they see it as the mission, as a fight. Yeah. Right. You have to hang on some days and during some periods of time to this truth with everything you have. And uh, in addition to simply just not being easy often it can be a full out battle. And so, you know, this is where the mission field kind of turns into a battleground. Yes, very much so. So I was listening to a homily from a priest and I don't remember where I was listening to it, but he had talked about how in his small town, he would attend like ecumenical prayer meetings with other churches, um, other Mm -hmm. non-Catholic churches. And they were always held at the missionary church. And when they were leaving, so the parking lot had the gates that faced the main road. And there was a sign inside of the parking lot that you couldn't see from the main road that you would only see when you were leaving the church that said, you are now entering the mission field Mm. and right you and I've talked about this and it's like could you imagine if you saw that reminder every Sunday when you left church or over your front door in your home yes that is the mission field it's I should have it on my carpet when I put my feet down in the morning right like (laughs) when I look down to get out of my bed Mm -hmm. and I can barely Mm -hmm. read straight um but it would yeah like it's right there the mission field is right out in front of you and we are not being honest with ourselves if we don't acknowledge the battle that it is, that that there is a spiritual battle going on. There is a battle for our souls, for the souls of our children. Uh, there's a battle to break apart our family. There is a battle to cause division and divide among our extended family and friends. And it feels like a very noticeable battle right now. And and I've talked to so many women this week, um, women, some who have no religion at all, some who are not Catholics, but are Christian. Um, I've talked to so many, you know, this, Michelle, this is, th- mm-hmm. these conversations are what sparked this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's just no denying that we are in a battleground right now. And it is, can be right within our own houses, right at our front door and, you know, beyond. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited we've reached this section now because I have so many <laughs> allegories <Yes. laughs> to battlegrounds. This is, this is where I shine. Um, <laughs> sorry, and this is what you were saying to me in our private conversation, right? You you went into all these and I was like, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. So I'm ready. I'm bring it. <laughs> oh my goodness. And because I think that it, it frames it in the proper context. I think yes. that's why I like it, right? Like I'm not sugarcoating things when I think about it in its truest sense as a battle. And so the first thing that I remind myself of often is like, there are multiple fronts sometimes in a battle, right? So if you're feeling like it's just coming at you from every single aspect, every side, it, it might be (laughs) like, that's sometimes how war goes. Um, And so to just be aware of that, but even more so, I think sometimes, and even as Christians, I think we're, um, we forget to ask ourselves, where are we choosing to engage Mm. in the battle predominantly, right? So uh, it's not an excusing from the world's battleground or a spiritual battleground. Um, We have our foot in both (laughs) worlds. However, I really think that sometimes we neglect the spiritual Um, simply because we forget. It's, It's not as tangible. And it's right there in our face all the time, the temporal world. But I'd rather, if I really think about it, mission on God's home field and Mm -hmm. have his home team advantage (laughs) right at my back. And this means to start like in prayer. And um, you know what? I was just talking to my spiritual director this morning and I was asking him just kind of rhetorically, I'm like, why do I feel like sometimes prayer isn't enough? Mm. Like, I need to do that. And he, like, without missing a beat, he's like, that's that's a temptation against faith. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. So, I, again, it all comes back to, like, a close examination of where you're at um, in regards to remembering your identity and what your values are and who you believe in. Who is your God? And what do you know about him? What do you believe about him? Uh, and then you can choose where to engage in battle. Yes, Michelle. And I also think that after you've considered that, you have to turn your thoughts to your vocation. And if some Mm. of you listening aren't used to that word or don't quite know what we mean by vocation, um, we believe God calls everybody to a vocation and it's whatever he's given you in your life, whether it's a state of life, um, it could be your job, um, but whatever it is, he's given you all of the tools in your vocation, if you use them correctly, to get to heaven. And so my vocation isn't this podcast, right? Neither is yours. Mm. My vocation Mm -hmm. is wife and mother. And so I have to consider that when I'm considering the battle, because the input, the, all of the information I'm going to take in at any moment to decide what my next action is and where I should be sending my armies and my, my strength and all of those things, where I should be putting shields up, right? All of that. I've, I have, to, that only relates back to my vocation. If it isn't going mm. to make me a better wife and mother, I'm not going to waste my energy on that. Um, mm-hmm. I have to remind myself of that all the time too. You and I, love taking in all of the information (laughs) and learning (laughs) all of the things and falling down all of the rabbit holes. Um, But I, so I have to constantly remind myself, is this going to serve me as a wife and mother? Do I really need to know that to do a better thing? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's yes, right? On a world Mm -hmm. level, there are definitely some things we need to know. A lot of times it's no. So yeah, Mm -hmm. let's go back to the battlefield. But as the woman, as the heart of the home, you really should consider your vocation always in these in this area 
Mm-hmm. And even to take that a step further too, because like what you were saying, all the information coming in, there's sometimes when you can't stop it coming in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then the next thing you would ask yourself is that in the context of my vocation, what could I do about this? Yeah. Is there anything I could do about this? Yeah. Sometimes it's prayer and then moving on um, yep. to the tasks in your vocation, right? Um, yep. And to not feel like you're somehow shirking. Because I know that's how I can feel sometimes, especially when it seems to get pretty heavy in the world or there is yeah. a lot of things that you'd want to see changed or done. It can feel like, what, so I'm just going to... Um, wash the dishes? Not, not yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Doing? I'm supposed to just wash the dishes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Uh, and, but <laughs> you but <are>. yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I'll refer once again to my conversation this morning with my spiritual director because that's something he said to me that in these circumstances, doing God's will could merit the effects you would have desired to accomplish by other means. <gasps> Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I know. See, read it again. Read it again. Yes. So um, we believe that if you're focusing on your vocation, you're doing God's will. So doing God's will could merit the effects you would have desired to accomplish by other means. So to use this scenario that we just kind of fell into about washing the dishes when there are (laughs) other worrying things happening in the world, but you aren't a politician and you're Mm -hmm. not there in parliament, like discussing and debating um, with other people, what can doing the dishes possibly do? How could that possibly be helping? It can be helping because in this moment, God is asking you to serve and love your family by washing the dishes. And for us, that's our vocation. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And that is your mission. And that is your mission. And you can unite your Uh, acceptance of that and your obedience to that and your trust then in God to say like, I'm, I'm doing this with a mind towards wanting better in the world and wanting justice to be done in the world and to have that constant conversation with God. And you can know that even that act, especially that act, it can merit the effects that you would have desired to accomplish by other means. And I found that so incredibly consoling when he said that to me this morning. We firmly believe that. Like if this is new information to anyone listening, I want to be really clear here that you and I firmly believe that doing an act in your home, scrubbing a toilet, washing the floors, any of these, any of these daily tasks that they do have the power within them when done with the right intention, when offered back to God, when doing it with a a pure heart of love, without a grimace on your face, without complaining and giving that back to God, that that has meritorious power. It is not, it's never just making the bed, right? We've talked about that on homemaking episodes. Um, Mm -hmm. There is great power in that. And I, I love that. And I know that, but I needed to hear it again because I want (laughs) to fight the war, Michelle. Like I want to be on the front lines. It doesn't feel like it's the front lines when you're folding the laundry um, Mm -hmm. over and over again, but no, you know what? My heart knows this. It's, this is the reminder I needed. It is so true. Mm -hmm. And so when we're going back to those first two lines of the mission, right, to love God and then to love others, Mm -hmm. I really consider this aspect, the interior part of loving God, Mm -hmm. right, of giving him the honor of entrusting yourself to him and trusting Mm -hmm. that this is 
who he is. This is how he works. And that um, you have this relationship, you're working on this kind of a trust relationship with the God of the universe who is providential and who will take care of these things. Right. And so that's loving God. And then the other part of that maxim or those marching orders is to love other people. Yeah. And so in this, I'm going to go go back to my wartime visuals here. Mm-hmm. And now we're medics, Lindsay. <laughs> yes. Now we're medics of a field hospital during the war. <laughs> now, of course, when you say medics, I'm thinking like one of the world wars. So we're in a cute medics costume because you and I, a big part of it is aprons, yeah. right? And we are very romantic people in our heads. So I've got like a really cute head- hairstyle and <laughs> the red cross on my little uniform. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Whatever uniform we need. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I honestly haven't thought that too deeply oh. into the uniform. But that works. But whatever you're wearing, you're to go out and find the wounded. (laughs) Right. And so this is the next part of of the mission is to be available to people. And I think one thing that really distracts us from this part of the mission is when um, we have so much immediacy in social media. Uh, we forget what it looks like in our own real life mm-hmm. circles, mm-hmm. our families, our extended families, and in our friends or neighbors who are, by proximity, are truly our neighbors. Yes, yes. <laughs> right? Um, and there is no shortage of people who are reaching out for help. Um, and we all do at certain points in our lives. We may not be able to verbally ask or want to verbally ask for help. Um, but at some point in our lives and many points in our lives, we all reach out for someone to see us and to love us and to listen to us and to remind us of our inherent worth and value. And so, um, to go out and find the wounded as part of our mission is to constantly be grabbing a hand and getting people off the field and back to the hospital to carry them on our own backs if we have to. Right. And to recognize that our mission may not necessarily be to heal them, yeah. but because that may be beyond our capabilities, but it is to try to grab people's hands that are reaching for us and to hold on with everything we have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've seen this um, in the last two years, for sure. The division and the chasm between people, it just keeps growing bigger and bigger and regardless of the issues that are at the foundation of those divisions um it's scary enough to me to not so much focus on the why but the fact that there is divisions and that they're growing further apart that's concerning and that's worrying and I think that's one of the missions that we have is to start reaching and to grab almost like like you won't let go yeah right um and so that's an important thing to remember too. And knowing that this ha- is happening with the people around us, you're right, like the, the proximity, like the actual people nearest to us, and this is happening in everybody's mm-hmm. families. Like we hear from you guys all the time. We know what's going on in everybody's lives and families in terms of this. There is a lot of, of wounded people uh, out there right now. But I, I think what's so interesting is what you said about social media and, and then the loving our neighbor. Um, I, I wonder, I mean, God knows all things, but um, d- did he imagine, did he 
know that the neighborhood so globally would be brought into our phones every day, right? It's so Mm. easy to Mm. just focus on that neighbor who's somebody we've never met on our screen that's so far away. And, And then we can think, oh, well, we've helped these people or we've listened. I'm so guilty of this. Like I've spent my time mm-hmm. listening to this person, this person, and not, again, not saying that that's a, not a good thing. Um, right. and we are, but like, I don't think anybody could have imagined that you can have thousands mm-hmm. of neighbors immediately yeah. needing your time and attention and, and pulling on your heartstrings that I think sometimes does take too much of our energy where we are missing the wounded on the field right in front of us, like what you're saying and what's going mm-hmm. on of the people that we can actually help. Cause that might hurt more and that might ask more from us mm. if we have to physically go out there. Right. And I'm like, so picturing the war, but I'm just thinking like a family dinner, but you know, it's like a a battleground and like having (laughs) to actually get into the middle of that and really love someone for real. And, uh, Mm -hmm. which is a lot harder to do than sending like a heart emoji to somebody you've never met, um, a thousand miles away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's right. It's true. And I like what you said that it's not that it doesn't have a place. Yeah. Um, it, in fact, it's the opposite. It does have a place. Yes. But the problem is that sometimes we elevate it too much beyond its station, that's right. <laughs> if you will. Yeah. Right? And so that's all it is. It's a question of priority when it comes to loving our neighbor. And yes. the fact is, is that we, until very recently in history, did not have this global community so close. Yeah. Um, and that it's produced a lot of really good things. Um, but yeah, the when when we go out and seek out the people who need help or find the wounded and um, attempt to do (laughs) attempt to carry out the mission Mm -hmm. um, here in our communities that it really should be first and foremost the people that once again God has directly placed in our lives yes Mm -hmm. so Michelle that perfectly leads us into this last thing we want to talk about which is again the family You, you mentioned who God put into our lives and there's a very you know we we believe that these people were put here for a reason we are with mm-hmm. the people that God wants us to be with whether it's our parents our siblings our children our spouse um and so it does start there we say that if we had one tagline I think for so many of our episodes is it starts at home and mm-hmm. we also talk often about the ripple effect um and how it can go so much further than you can ever, ever imagine if you do these wonderful things at home. And it doesn't just go out into our communities right now. We believe it has a generational ripple effect, right? What we do, mm. I always think I'm not necessarily raising my children. I'm raising my grandchildren. I tell myself that all mm. the time because how I raise my children will be how they raise their children. Um, so yeah, it goes outwards right now and it also goes generationally through our families. So the mission, we believe our mission really does and it should, we should prioritize our families here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. And as kind of a connection between this aspect and what we were just talking about with um, being tempted further outside of that circle mm-hmm. of who God's put in our lives. Um, I was reminded of a character from Charles Dickens' novel Bleak House. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been watching the miniseries, yes. <laughs> the uh, the 2005, I think. Is it Gillian Anderson? It is. Gillian I have Anderson. not seen it yet. Have okay. Seen it? Okay. No. 
All right. It's it's interesting. And much like whenever we joke about reading the Bible and we're like, it's such a good book. Yes, I'm like, Dickens oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. This classic novel everyone is, is loved really good. For yeah. 200 years. Is there's a Yeah. Wow. Good book. Yeah. I know. He knew how to write. Yes. Oh my goodness. Who knew there was so much staying power here in these pages? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it it does remind me of this character of Mrs. Jellybee. And I just went, uh, did a quick character analysis of her on <laughs> litcharts.com because I was yes. so intrigued by her watching yeah. the miniseries. And litcharts.com describes her as, um, I'll just quote it here. It says, Mrs. Jellybee is a philanthropist and is obsessed with a project she has developed to build links to the coffee trade with a remote region in Africa. She is so distracted by this project that she neglects her family and bankrupts her husband gathering money for his cause. Her house is in chaos and her children are dirty and uneducated. She's totally disinterested in her daughter's wedding and does not listen to anyone else when they talk. And then it goes on to analyze the character and say that Dickens uses her to suggest the idea that charity should begin at home. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what we're talking about, right? Like mm-hmm. the people right here and now, but the temptation is sometimes to look beyond these people. Yeah, And I've struggled with it this many times myself. So I'm not sure if this would be of any help for those who may share my struggles in this. But um, because this is one thing that I'm kind of prone to be distracted by, um, I've kind of made the decision to just try to exhaust means that are available to me to make my voice heard in the world mm-hmm. um, and to make effective change and things like that. But then when those things are done, I have to force myself to move on and move back to my vocation, like what we talked about. Um, And that means turning off my phone and the news uh, and then trusting that what I've done, that the rest is in God's hands now and get back to the important work of the people that are really, really close and that God has placed in my heart here and now. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things you've also talked to me about over the last little while, Michelle, every once in a while, you mention Emily Freeman um, that, mm. on Instagram, and she came up with this concept of the next right thing. And mm-hmm. it f- came back to me this week in the middle of a lot of chaotic conversations and emotional ups and downs. One of the other things that happened this week is a little boy went missing in my neighborhood, as you know, and he was mm. 10 year old. And I, like so many people in my community, dropped everything and went out on foot and looked and was walking through forests and over ice and snow and looking everywhere for this 10 year old and looking in the rivers and anything was a very, very stressful uh, time. And in my mind, it kept saying the next right thing. Like this was so clearly the next right thing to do because I I was feeling guilty because I told Jason I was going to finish cleaning the storage room. (laughs) He had Mm. just left for work and I was like, I'm going to clean the storage room. And then this happened and I'm like, this was the next right thing. This was the next right thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how can you argue with that? Of course, looking for a lost child is the next right thing. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's not that obvious. Um, but it's such a great habit to get into, to asking yourself that on the spot. The other thing we talk often about that the priest that we both know talks about is doing the thing that is the greatest good. Um, yes. You know, there are a lot of good things, but you can, if you sit down and think about it for a minute, determine which one is the greatest good. So I mm-hmm. love having those two phrases, the, well, actually three, the duty of the moment, 
the next right thing and the greatest good um, as mm-hmm. part of my internal checklist as I'm trying to decide <laughs> how to take care of all of the little people and all of the tasks that I need to do within my vocation and within my family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, bringing it right back to our very, very first point is praying for the eyes to see. Yes. Yes. Like, um, as, and to train ourselves how, as quickly, how to, as quickly as possible, see that and yeah. know definitively, this is the next right thing. This is the greatest good. Uh, and I believe that that's a, that's something we can both ask for and work on and that it will really help serve us well as we seek to carry out this mission in mm-hmm. our lives and with our lives. And what I like about this too is that it's formulating a plan, right? Yeah. yeah. And the one thing, one of the things that my mom has often said to me over the course of my life is to remind me that you always feel better when there's a plan. Yes. I think we can appreciate that plans change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. But when you don't have any kind of direction, things seem a lot more complicated than sometimes they really are. And so even just having a framework, having a mindset, having a plan on how you're going to approach your world, your day, your life, um, I think already can cut so much of the clutter from your mind and help us to start seeing clearly, which is good. And then, you know what, the last thing that I try to do for my family amongst all of this is to not lose sight of showing them, my children, my family, and the people in my world, trying to show people goodness, to seek it out and to seek out beauty because it's going to remind us of what is true. And I think one of the challenges right now is that it's really hard to see goodness when you're up against so many limitations, Yeah. right? So actually, this is this kind of works out because I'm going to borrow a phrase uh, from Emily Freeman's sister, Mike Willen Smith, who's the nester. Did you know their sisters? No. (laughs) Surprise. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Talk about the the people right in your own family, eh? Yes. (laughs) Check out that family. Um, So the nester is uh, someone I love to go to for home Mm -hmm. inspiration. Mm -hmm. And she has this uh, phrase that she talks about often, which is lovely limitations. That when you've done what you can and you're still up against limits, what do you do? Because mm. uh, I think we have a choice there. And there may still be ways to get creative and to find those opportunities to laugh, to love, to marvel in wonder. Like, can we still see or find little things here and there? That can be a way that we love Um certainly our neighbor and other people, but also love God by acknowledging that even amongst confusion, even when we're up against so many limitations, that we know and understand that he is still goodness itself Mm -hmm. and that he's still here and that if we seek it out, we can find him and we can still see him. In an article on Bible.org, the author talks about how as Christians, we are thrilled to accept our mission in times of peace. The Christian life can offer comfort and joy and healing. But many Christians, when the battle starts to rage around them, and rage it will, become quickly frustrated and exhausted and lose sight of the mission. So let us remind ourselves now that the mission, though simple, will take all that we have. And that this mission is to love God and neighbor, to love when it's hard, to love even when the object seems unlovable. 
We will end with this quote from Mother Teresa. People who love each other fully and truly are the happiest people in the world. They may have little, they may have nothing, but they are happy people. Everything depends on how we love one another. It's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So, Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? Okay, well, I'm a bit nervous to share this with everyone, um, but I just feel that I must. Now, Michelle, you and I have already talked about this, so this isn't news to you. But some Mm -hmm. of our listeners might be a little shocked to find out that I am suggesting, and the thing that I'm loving is the the five Daniel Craig James Bond movies. Um, and I'm saying that we watch them as family films. That's where the scandal, scandal. Um, (laughs) I say that lightly because I want to be really clear here about a few things that really shocked me about those movies. So I had not watched a Daniel Craig, James Bond movie since Casino Royale came out in 2006, I believe. Um, and so we were obviously not in the same place at all with, in terms of, you know, what we would watch. So we, very apprehensively started that one and we allowed our big kids who are 13 and 15 to watch it with us and they know that we will turn something off you know if we feel like it's violating our our values and Mm -hmm. it it started and I'm like this is just excellent like so I will be really clear Mm -hmm. there was very mild language maybe one swear word or two uh there was at most two blasphemies in any of the movies like in each one and it was never from james bond himself um and i guess the thing people associate most with james bond is the sex scenes and they're actually mm-hmm. pretty mild uh in terms of hollywood you see a bit of skin and it usually cuts pretty quickly or it's like a quick skip on the fast forward it really didn't disrupt anything um i'm not saying that they're perfect family movies and they might not be right for everybody else's family but we are in that position in our family where we want to find things that are really entertaining and that can keep our teenagers excited to come and spend time with us that's a really big Mm. thing for us right now is we want them to you know put their video games down and like actually want to hang out with mom and dad and enjoy it and these Mm -hmm. movies did that for us they were so excited for the next movie and so they were especially um the two directed by sam mendes they're beautiful they are so well done. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, they're not perfect by any means, but our family just really enjoyed the Daniel Craig, James Bond movies. Oh, I love that you recommended these movies because I think I know one of those two movies you were mentioning, mm-hmm. one of them was Skyfall, mm-hmm. right? Yes. I loved that movie. So I I thought it was beautifully filmed yes. too. Like it was aesthetically pleasing. Um, and yeah, I so I never thought of it in that context of a family movie. So I, like you, I didn't watch them at first when yes. I first watched them with those eyes. Yep. But that is really helpful to know because sometimes um, you, especially as parents, we do want to know. Yeah. Um, want to have all the information at our fingertips so we can make our decisions on what to watch and how we can enjoy some of these things if we can. Yeah. And they really might not be right for everybody's families, Mm -hmm. but I loved watching my teenage son 
have that look in his eyes of admiration of, of a strong man. It was a really neat thing. Mm-hmm. And those movies have done a lot better job in how they uh, feature women. And, and they've really made a conscious effort in doing that over the last couple of years. So they still have a, a long way to go. But uh, yeah, I was just was really, really pleasantly surprised by, you know, some of the most high budget films ever made that they mm-hmm. ended up being for the most part, um, way more family friendly than I ever imagined. And family mm-hmm. friendly again. We're talking teenagers, not not little kids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you An guys put it on this, yes. this Friday with your kids. <laughs> like wow, this is a departure from Encanto. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which we also love. Yeah. <laughs> so Michelle, what have you been loving this week? So last weekend, we watched a really interesting documentary, Mm. and it's called 14 Peaks. Um, It's a bit of a crazy premise, so come with me here. So (laughs) it follows Project Possible, Mm. and that is a movement started by a Nepali mountaineer, Nirmal Purja, and he's often referred to in the film as just as NIMS mm-hmm. is his nickname. Mm-hmm. So he proposed that he could climb 14 of the highest summits, which are over 8,000 meters high, mm-hmm. in seven months. So the first person to ever complete this challenge to climb these 14 mountains, um, this includes like the famous K2 summit, mm-hmm. uh, was a man named Reinhold Messner, and it took him 16 years to complete the challenge. Wow. And then the previous record holder for the challenge was a South Korean mountaineer uh, named Kim Chang-ho, who climbed the 14 peaks in just under eight years. So then here we have in this documentary, Nims, who claims he will do it in seven months. Mm. And it's an incredible story. So... You know what, the challenge itself is impressive, but what I think I loved most about this documentary and about Nim's story is seeing how his character really shapes this challenge for him. Obviously, it's an extremely dangerous endeavor climbing any mountain, Mm. let alone so many at such heights and so fast. Uh, And yet throughout it all, we're also able to see how as important as this goal is to Nim's and his team that people are what matter the most. And they go to some pretty heroic lengths to affirm that. So just a a side note here, kind of, I guess, (laughs) similar to yours. (laughs) Uh There were a few instances of swearing in the film. It was just maybe like a handful of them. So just to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. And um, given the circumstances of the film, it's a little bit understandable. But just... So that you can uh, judge for yourself. The same with the James Bond movies. It it would be a great, um, inspiring movie for you and your spouse, or maybe for you guys and older kids, if you discern that that's right for you. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.